Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Mark 3 is where we're going. Where'd y'all think we were going? Oh, y'all had Obadiah open already? I'm going to read Obadiah, but I want you to go to Mark 3. Y'all are kind of aggressive now. Mark 3. I think I see Sister Sharon back there. Is that right? Is that you? How you doing? It's good to see you. Hallelujah. Mark 3, are you there? Okay, verse 1 through 6. Let's read that together. Ready, read. And he entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. Then he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save or to kill? To save life or to kill, excuse me, sorry. But they kept silent. And when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. Father God, today I thank you for the opportunity we have now to spend this time in your word. I thank you for your precious people. Those that are here, those that are watching right now, I pray that God, your people will have open ears, open hearts, open minds to uh, receive the word of God. I pray for divine utterance that you speak through me from heaven today, Father. I pray for, Lord, the unction of the Holy Ghost that you work through me today, Father. And I pray that God, your people, each and every one of us, will receive all you have for us. I bind every hindering spirit. I bind all doctrines of devils. I bind all seducing spirits. And I loose right now the free flow of the word of God. Thank you for angels that are gathered around here to ensure that this atmosphere is free from every demonic influence. And I thank you, God, that your people receive and we live by what we see. We pray, we thank you, it's done in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The Bible says in Jesus in verse uh, 5 of Mark 3, it says, And when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. His hand was restored as whole as the other. Today I want to talk on, you know, this is the year of restoration. <clears throat> I want to talk about today demonstrations of restoration, demonstrations of restoration. Praise the Lord our God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, we, I told you we're entering to a season. Y'all can go to Obadiah now. We're entering to a season. I know you take a little minute to find it again. We're entering a season of restoration, of recovery. And I've been declaring to you since the first Sunday of this year that everything the devil has stolen from us is coming back into your life. It's coming back to God's people 
and coming back into your life. If you're one of God's people, it's going to be a good year for you. How many of God's people do I have in here today? This is going to be a good year for you. Hallelujah. You better get yourself ready. You better do like my, my wife been going through and organizing and clearing things out of the house and straightening things out. That's, that's a position of expectation. Expecting God to do some things and move in some way in our own house. Amen? So we read uh, Wednesday night. We, I begin teaching on that. I'll, I'll teach on that on Wednesdays for right now. Uh, Obadiah chapter 1, well, there's only one chapter, right? Obadiah 1 and verse 17, which says, But upon Mount Zion shall be what? Deliverance, and there shall be holiness. The house of Jacob shall do what? Possess their possessions. Not possess possessions or new possessions, possess their possessions. Now, we understand that you're going to get some new things. There are going to be some new things, brand new things coming to your life. But the implication of this verse is that you're going to be repossessing things. That there are things that have been stolen from us, stolen from the body of Christ, that God says it's time now for the people of God to get back what was lost in your family, in your household, and for past generations. There were things that were stolen from your father and your grandfather and your great, 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 great grandfather, people you never knew from all, all the way back from Europe and from Africa and from Asia and from wherever you are from in the world. There are things that have been stolen. Mm -hmm. Not just black folk, anybody. Everybody has gone through some kind of situation where things have been stolen from you. Some things that were stolen from you were stolen by people in your own family. People you trusted. People that you gave access to. And things have been stolen. But God says, I've seen it all. I've watched it all. And I'm coming to restore everything back to your life. Can you say amen right now? Hallelujah. Now, I told you this last week. Some people, they don't even get excited when I say that because they don't even realize things have been stolen. You don't even realize the, the reason you're living the way you're living is because things have been stolen from your life. The reason people are struggling financially, people are struggling spiritual, people are struggling emotionally because things have been stolen from their lives and they don't even realize they've been stolen. Some, you know, <laughs> praise God. Uh, I, my, my wife and I, before we moved to where we are now, in fact, one of the, re the, th the impetus for us to move where we are now is because people kept stealing stuff from us. The house we were living in, y'all got, got time for this? The house we were living in before, we have to sneak out of town. Literally, literally, we would sneak out of town. We would, we would have whoever's picking us up to go to the airport, park down the street. We, we, we'd have them, you know, park at the house, and we'll, put, we'll sneak bags in, but leave. Come back later and pick us up. We're going to walk down. We're going to act like we walk into the store. I'm serious. y'all. See, none of y'all ever lived in the hood. I know y'all have always lived in gated communities with, you know, armed guards gating, you know, guarding your, but we, we lived in the hood and uh, we'd have to sneak out of town. And I remember even before we moved into the house we're, that, that we were in, that house, we were setting up, you know, and getting things in there. And we came home, came there one day and somebody had stolen all the furniture out of the house, all of it, all of it, all the furniture, all the appliances gone. See, y'all, y'all just used to somebody stealing your little laptop. I'm talking about stole all the furniture, all of the appliances gone. And he asked the neighbors, did y'all see anything? Oh, no. 
We didn't see nothing. But they, you know, it's kind of like, y'all remember coming to America when the guys showed up and they stole their luggage and all of a sudden they come by wearing all their stuff? Man, I got it. Stop, thief! Y'all remember that? No, y'all don't remember that. Okay, so, I mean, we went through that mess. Everything stolen. Sofas, everything. All, when I say all the furniture, all the furniture. Now, let me explain something to you about that. We had been out of town. So we don't know even when it happened. So you can be missing things and don't know you're missing things. That's why some of y'all look at me like, because you're missing things, you don't even know you're missing things. Hallelujah. And then, you know, and it happened time and time again. One time we came home and, and came home. Well, no, before that, that was the, that was the final straw. Uh, one time we came home and I pulled in this, you know, we're getting off work, come home. And uh, man is climbing out of our window. And I go to chase him. No, no, that's, that's another time. You're mixing up stuff. Let me tell the story. It, it's, it's been so many times, I'm just telling you. Yeah, that was a church. And, uh, and I go to chase him. And the dude, I mean, I don't know what kind of adrenaline kicks into you when you're committing crime. He jumped over our six-foot fence. Jumped it. Straight jumped it. I said, no, you got that, brother. You got that. I ain't about to, I can't chase no gazelle. I, I can't chase a gazelle. You got that. I could go through store after store of things that were stolen, but um, God has restored everything. <laughs> so that's what this year is all about, about God restoring and causing us to repossess our possessions. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. It was the final straw, Pastor Kim. It was December 22nd, 2012. I remember the day. December 22nd, 2012, we came home from the church Christmas party, having a good time, singing Christmas carols and celebrating and eating s'mores out by the fire out there. Church Christmas party down at the park out there in Gulfport and having a good time and come home and boom, look. Oh, Lord. Somebody's gotten in and stolen and just all kind of stuff. And just That was it. And I'm like, praise God, we... We uh, end up going, to, we're going to spend the night at, at the in-laws. And I said, well, I'm going to go back. My, my family said, we're not going back over there. <laughs> and we never, ever slept at our house again, never. That's how we end up in our wandering times of months of just looking, just trying to, Lord, where, you, where are we going to go? Because I can't take my family back to this. I can't take my family through constantly being stolen from over and over. Now, I'm going to come on this side over here. I can't let my family keep experiencing loss like this. I think I see something over here. I can't let my family keep going through trauma like this. So I'm going to do something about it. Lord, I need your help. I told y'all last week I, I was crying because I thought something happened and it didn't happen and, and the man of God told me to stop crying and start praising. 
Remember our preacher last week, 1 Samuel 30, about David and Ziklag, and he had lost his family, his wives, his children. All, everybody had lost their family, their wives, their children, lost all their property. The enemy had burned down their whole city, and they're sitting there with nothing, and they're all crying. The Bible said they cried until they had no more power to cry. And I, ga I gave y'all seven, seven points, seven things to do this year to get your stuff back. Remember those? I told you, number one, stop crying about it. Now, I don't have time to explain it all. You can catch this at home when you watch this again. Stop crying about it. Stop blaming the wrong people. You can't blame the wrong people and get your stuff back. Crying doesn't get your stuff back. You cried and your eyes red, your nose all burning and everything. Your, your face <laughs> drawn up and you still don't have your stuff. Number two, stop blaming other people. Stop blaming the wrong people, rather. Now, somebody got your stuff. Somebody took it. But don't blame the wrong people. When you blame the wrong people, you're going to get bitter, and bitterness is poison for you. Your bitterness won't poison your spouse. Your, bit, your bitterness won't poison your spouse. It only poisons you. That's good right there. Number three, I said, strengthen yourself in the Lord. Remember, David strengthened himself. The, we, the Bible, King James reads, encouraged himself. But if you don't understand encourage, you think he just made himself feel better. No, encourage means to actually input courage. It means to put courage into. That's what encourage means. To discourage means to take courage out, to withdraw courage. So David encouraged, or we could literally say, he strengthened himself in the Lord. And you got to get strong in the Lord. Remember, they cried today, they had no more power to cry. We can't keep crying like that. If you don't have enough power to cry, you definitely don't have enough power to fight. So you got to strengthen yourself in the Lord. Number four, I told you, was what? Seek direction from God. You need to know. David says, shall I pursue? You need to know whether God has removed some things out of your life intentionally or you've been stolen from. Something God, things God takes out of your life. Y'all got quiet right there. Some people God takes out of your life for your good. So you need to know, dude, you're supposed to go after that. You need to know how he's going to do it. Number five, start without delay. Start without delay. I mean, as soon as you get the word, as soon as you know what to do, you go ahead and do it. Brother Don was talking to us a couple weeks ago about aggressive obedience. Aggressive obedience. When, when you get the instruction, when you know what to do, don't delay. You move on it and you don't stop. You don't stop at a pothole. You don't stop at a speed bump. You, you keep going. Aggressively obey God. You're going to hear some no's. You're going to hear some no. We ain't going to do that for you. But you don't stop. You're going to hear some no. You don't qualify. And they do it very nice in the right letter. We regret to inform you. Y'all laugh, but anybody ever had one of those? We regret to inform you that at this time, we are unable to grant your request. <laughs> little snot, little... <laughs> you can imagine a little secretary seeing it. <laughs> Sign a little signature. The devil is a lie. We can't be stopped. 
So start without delay. Number six, we said, was secure your stuff. When you see it, secure it. When the devil found the enemy, he found them down there dancing all around their stuff. First Samuel 30, I think around verse 16. He found them there, down there dancing and having a good time around all their stuff. David, the Bible says David began to slay them. He began to attack them from twilight to the next evening. He didn't stop. He didn't go to bed that night. Y'all missed it. That's aggressive obedience. He didn't go to bed that night. It said he began to attack them from twilight to the next evening. He did not stop. See, when your family's in trouble, you ain't, how you sleeping that much and your family in trouble? You know, I think I'm going to stop right here. Boy, that was a good point. How you sleep that much and your family is out of whack? Out of, out of whack. How you sleep that much and y'all broke? How you sleep that much and you can't eat? How you sleep that much and your children ain't home yet? How you sleep that much and they're... How you got time to go to the movies? How you, got, how you got time for that and your family is captive? I, I, I did my best. In fact, I, I listened to this message again yesterday when I was out walking. Five miles, you can listen to a whole lot. Whole lot. Gigi, I, I wasn't running. You know, y'all run. I, I walk. I walk. Now, it's a nice pace. I don't stroll. I, I walk a nice pace, but I listen to it. You know, yeah, I do. My family don't down like that. I got a meter. Keep me walking fast, fast. You got to get your heart rate up. That's, what, that's the whole point. So anyway, so I said, Lord, I hope I took enough time and did a good enough job to, to try to get you to understand the gravity of that situation. That when David and his men, when their wives and children were captives. See, I don't, again, I don't want you to see that your family, they're just, they're just out there having a good time and eventually they'll get saved. No, they're captive to the enemy. Let me help you. Do you remember the kind of stuff you used to do when you were captive to the enemy? They're real quiet over here, so I'm going to come over and see if I can find some. Remember the kind of stuff you used to do? And you weren't sneaking and doing it. You were just doing it because you were captive. And you wanted to stop, but you couldn't because you were captive. Now, ain't nobody going to raise their hand but me and Myron. Myron, we the only ones raising our hands right here because nobody else want to tell the truth. When we were captive, we couldn't control ourselves. When you're on drugs, the drugs call you. When you, y'all, you don't like this part. When you have a lust demon. See, I was never on drugs. I was on women. When you have a lust demon, it calls you. All times of night. While I was captive. I was captive. So... I mean, I'm free now. Praise the Lord. I'm free. No longer bound. No more chains holding me. See? So when you're captive, I want you to understand that your children, your family, your loved ones, your, your uncles, your brothers, your, your, your aunts and whoever, sisters, they're not just out there just, you know, having a good time and eventually. No, they're actually captive to the enemy. And so whatever we do, we need to actually get a little more serious about their deliverance. All right. So we got to secure our stuff. 
And then the last one, number seven, I gave you was what? Spoil the enemy. Spoil the enemy. That means take the stuff back. That means not only do you get your stuff, but that you're going to get somebody else's stuff too. Mm-hmm. Because remember I told you, these Amalekites, back in 1 Samuel 30, if you weren't here, they attacked the Philistines. They attacked all kinds of people. Many nations, many little lands they had attacked, and nobody else got their stuff back. So David said, if you ain't going to get your stuff back, I'm going to take it. And matter of fact, he said, this is David's stuff. <laughs> all right, now, let's get into this today. I got uh, 37 minutes. Let's see what we can do here. Now, I want you to find the book of Acts, please. Acts, the book of Acts, New Testament. Because I want to show you something here that what I want to call God's recurring message to man. His recurring message. His, the, the, in fact, I, I surmise this by the Holy Ghost as, as the theme of Scripture. The theme of Scripture, what the whole Bible is all about. And in Acts 3, I'm going to read for you verse 19 through 21. And I'll tell you why we say that. Are you okay today? Acts 3, verse 19. When you get this, say amen. It says, repent, therefore, and be converted. Now, y'all know this, right? I don't, know, I don't care what church you've been to. Any church worth this salt going to tell you at some point, repent. Now, I know we got these sugar-coated candy churches out here today that never talk about repenting. And, and nobody, you know, it ain't a, it don't ever mention sin. You know, and I don't preach on sin all the time, but I got to bring it up. I've got to bring it up. Because even God's people sometimes have to deal with sin. Okay? And I want to make sure you know that I know that you know that I know that God knows that you can't live in sin and walk in his blessings. Y'all got quiet, too quiet for, this, for me. You can't walk in sin and live in God's blessings. Do me a favor, help, help me, tell your neighbors a neighbor. You can't walk in sin and live in God's blessings. Okay, so we know that, right? We know that. That isn't even a focus. It says repent and therefore be converted. That means get saved. That your sins may be blotted out. Now watch what he adds though. So that times of what? Refreshing, Refreshing may come from who? The presence. the presence of the Lord. So we see God bringing something. Now I, I got to keep going because the, the main theme is, is a little further down. Verse 20. And that he may send who? Who was preached to you before. Now, so we're talking about uh, repenting from sin, being converted. We're talking about Jesus Christ coming. We're talking about the rapture, the second coming of Christ. Are you seeing the whole Bible? Okay. Now watch the main theme. Here it is in verse 20. And that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before. I'm sorry, verse 21 is the main theme I'm looking for. Whom heaven must receive... Until, so we see the ascension there. Jesus is in heaven. He's in heaven right now. He must, heaven must receive until when? The times of what? 
So Jesus Christ right now is parked, sitting, interceding in heaven until a certain time. Chris got it. That it's here. Because he didn't say until the time of. He said times of. Just like he didn't say time of refreshing. He said times of refreshing. Which means we will see many, many iterations of that time. Many uh, manifestations of that time. So when we see times of refreshing that come from the presence of the Lord, that means any time you get in God's presence, in the presence of the Lord, you get refreshed. And you can do it anytime, all the time. Because it's not time, it's times of refreshing. Oh my, 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 my. And he says, he goes on to say that heaven must receive, take, hold on. That word receive, lambano, literally means to hold. Heaven must hold Christ, Jesus Christ, until the times, again, here it is, not time. So we're not talking about a singular event. We're talking about a season where God begins to bring people into a place where you begin to possess your possessions. Jesus said it this way. that the I think you brought this up this morning. It says the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. He's, in fact, he goes on where you read before that. It says until the day, from the days of John the Baptist up until now. So he's talking about a times. So when Jesus Christ came, he brought us into those times where now those who want the kingdom, you can now take it. You force your way into the kingdom of God. Not force it because God's holding it back from you. Force it because you've got to force your way past the enemy. Force your way past your upbringing. Force your way past bad teaching. Force your way past, watch this, don't get mad, denominational mindset. Because you can't, now I'm, not, I'm not picking on denominations, I was born and raised in a denomination. But there's no denominations in the Bible. And you cannot have a denominational mindset and experience the kingdom of God. Nothing Jesus preached would have fit into, the, into any denomination. Not of people understand it in its truth. So he brought for us times. I don't mean to spend as long on this, but I feel a tug. Somebody put it on this here. Times of restoration. So we have now entered into, and, and I, I, I almost hate to say now entered into, because these times of restoration began when Jesus Christ ascended. So we really will see that the times of restoration began, but they will not culminate or they will not be completed uh, 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 until the time. There will be a specific time at the end when God says, all right, that's it. I have restored everything. So you and I are living... Praise God. Right now in, in the times of restoration. Oh, let me get back on this here. 
Now, the reason I said, y'all still with me? Yes, sir. The reason I said that this is, in my humble opinion, the theme of the whole Bible is because of what he says. Whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. So every prophet that wrote in the word of God, every prophet that God sent was speaking about times of restoration. So from the very beginning of the book to the end of the book, it's about restoration. Oh, my. You remember Noah? Thank you, Lord. Noah, his name, the reason his father named him uh, and gave him that name Noah, because Noah literally means to save us from the situation that we're in. If you read in, in, in Genesis uh, 5, you'll see Noah, him being brought, brought to pass or coming about. And you'll see where he's named Noah because the people were in such a corrupt state that so much corruption even had come upon the world. His father named him Noah saying he's going to save us. He's going to deliver us. He's going to bring us out of this muck and mire that we're in. What is he saying? He's going to restore From the very beginning. You read later on, Genesis chapter 11, you read about a man named Abram being born. And Abram in Genesis 12, God speaks to him and says, Abraham, I'm, uh, Abram, I'm, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to make of you a great nation. And you're going to be a blessing and so forth. And what is God doing? God wanted to restore his family. Abraham is the progenitor of God's family on the earth. The whole reason why God raised Abraham up was to restore that relationship, that connection that was lost. So from every prophet, from beginning to end, catch this, ladies and gentlemen, this will help simplify the Bible for you. They were preaching restoration. And I know some of y'all waiting on me to be deep and theological, but I just did. I just, I just explained to you, every book you read, every prophet you read, they were preaching, prophesying restoration. How do you say that, Pastor? I didn't say it. That's what it says right here in verse 21. We just read it. You can see it with your own eyes. It says they, that God has spoken by the mouth of all his prophets since the world began. So from day one, any prophet that ever preached, they were preaching on restoration. Doesn't matter whether it was restoration of Israel, restoration of Judah, restoration of God's people, they were preaching on restoration. Y'all got that? Glory to God. Now, let me keep going here. Because Peter, he's preaching this in Acts 3. We just read 19 to 21. You remember what happened at the beginning of Acts 3? A restoration. <laughs> you got to sit. That's what a healing is. It's a restoration. Y'all wake up this morning. Wake up. <laughs> he's, see, the whole reason he's preaching in verse 19 to 21 is because the people want him are asking him to explain what they just saw 
at the beginning of this chapter. They had just seen this awesome, miraculous work. And they're, they're amazed. I mean, they're so amazed. I mean, he's sitting there, and, and the, the ver, verse 11 of this, of this chapter, chapter, 11, um, chapter 3, verse 11, it says, uh, they, they ran together, and they were greatly amazed. Verse 12, he said, why do you marvel at this? Why? In other words, he said, why are you all so amazed at this whole thing? Now, this is Peter who, just a few years back, didn't know nothing about this. Peter, Peter, just a few days early, didn't have the Holy Ghost. But now he's preaching like, guys, don't, don't y'all know this? What he's saying is, this is the way it's supposed to be. This is the way God always meant for it to happen. So he's demonstrated restoration, and now because people are inquiring and they're amazed, now he's explaining restoration. He's preaching it. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now listen to this. That word restoration comes from a Greek word. Um, we're going to say it together. Apocatastasis. 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 Say it. Some of y'all got it. Good, good. We all sound bad, so we're all good. This is about how it is. We, we play baseball, high school baseball. We got to play against Tarpon Springs High School, and you call it the names of those, all those Greek baseball players. It's just... It's just Everybody give me, just give us a nickname because we can't remember. But listen to what it means here. It means restoration of a true theocracy. This is right out of, out of your concordance. This is all it means. A true restoration of a true theocracy. Now, you know what theocracy is. It's God's government. It's God's being in charge. Not a democracy like we think we can live in. You know, we live in America. It's supposed to be a democracy. But the kingdom is not a democracy. The kingdom of God is a theocracy, which means God makes the rules. God enforces the rules. He judges everybody. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, God, he is the king. He is the lawgiver. He is the judge. That's what it says. He is the king. He is the lawgiver. He is the judge. And in America, we call that the executive branch, the legislative branch, judicial branch. Come on, y'all students. And the Bible says God is the king, he's the lawgiver, and the judge. It's a theocracy. He runs the whole thing. Which means you and I don't get to have an opinion. Well, I think I should have an opinion. Get out of the kingdom then. You can have one, you just can't have it in the kingdom. You can have one in America, you can tweet it all over the place. But in the kingdom, you can't have an opinion. Hallelujah. But look at the, the, the other definition or the other part of the definition of this word, apostocosta sisters. Of the perfect state before the fall. Okay, y'all might you missed that. You remember what fall we're talking about now? Not talking about fall, you know, see the season of the year. The fall. The fall. The fall of man. 
when Adam sinned, when Adam ate of that fruit, sin came on the world. And when sin came, death came. Sickness, disease, poverty, lack, oppression, depression, all the negative things you can ever think of in the world, they came on the world when Adam sinned, when Adam fell. So this times of restoration is a time of restoration of the perfect state before the fall. Man, I, I, I like this side. I like this side today. It's the restoration of putting us back. See, when y'all hear me talking about we going back to Adam and going back to Edom and we're going to live kingdom and we're going to live on top of the world. We're not making this up. This is exactly what it means. He's not trying to make you a better person. He wants you to take, wants to take you all the way back to before the fall. Before the fall, there was no high blood pressure. Before the fall, there was no diabetes or sugar. I want no sugar. Want no lupus, hepatitis, HIV, AIDS, common flu, COVID, male pattern baldness. Y'all. Heart disease, lung disease, kidney disease. Mortgages, car loans, car debts. Well, no loans because you ain't, man, loan for what? I got all the money I can have. What you talking about? That's what God wants us to go back to Eden. And when he says times of restoration of all things, he don't mean just, you know, I'm going to get, get my, my family back and, you know, I'm, I'm going to get that job I lost. He's saying, no, putting you back before the fall. Oh, come on in here, man. Chris, can you believe God for that? To, to, to take us back, this is, I mean, this is what God is trying to, he, and he says this is what the holy prophets have preached from the beginning of the world. The Bible calls Enoch. You remember Enoch? It says Enoch was the seventh man from Adam. And the Bible says Enoch, I think it's in the book of Jude, Enoch prophesied. So Enoch was a prophet. What was Enoch prophesying? Back to Adam. He was the seventh generation from Adam, but Enoch was, he, he got to know Adam. Remember I taught y'all that. Remember I taught y'all that. If you, if you look at the, the, how everything's laid out when Adam was born and when Seth was not born, when Adam, uh, before he died and before Seth died and before Enos died and before the next generation and so you keep going on the line, Enoch was around with Adam. So his great, 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 great grandfather was teaching him about how it was before the fall. Enoch's walking around and he's seeing dead flowers and dead leaves and roses. He's saying, Lord, you know, hey, great, 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 granddad, these roses are really nice. And he says, boy, that's, that ain't nothing. Come on, who am I talking to? 
He's like, boy, granted, these, these mangoes taste good. Boy, you ain't had a mango like the mangoes we used to eat. Bigger than your head. And he said, great, 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 great grandson. Every time I plucked one, the other one just showed up. We didn't have to wait on seasons. Seasons didn't come to Genesis chapter 8. God said Genesis 8, long as the earth remains. Seed time of harvest, summer and winter, day and night, right? So seasons, Adam didn't have seasons. Every time, every time Adam plucked a mango, a grape, a whatever he wanted, pomegranate, uh, whatever he wanted, just showed right back up. Jesus, mm, Jesus tried to demonstrate that. He, that's how he walked. Remember, that's why he cursed the fig tree. Love the chapter of Mark. Jesus Christ, the Bible calls Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians uh, 15, the last Adam. So Jesus, oh, Jesus ain't. I don't, Lord, I don't have time for all this. But I, he, he's operating like Adam. He's operating as a, he's operating in the pre-Adamic state. You don't ever read Jesus Christ getting the sniffles. He walked on water. He cursed the fig tree, and when the guy said, man, I can do what, what that, he said, oh, you can do this too. Because he walked in a dominion. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So we're talking about Jesus walking in this place, and, and, and I'm going back to Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesying. He was a prophet. So from Adam, so Enoch, when he's prophesying, he's, remember he talked about, behold, uh, the Lord comes with 10,000 of, uh, of his angels. Well, that wasn't the only prophecy he ever gave. But he's talking about when the angels are coming, he's talking about God restoring things. We saw angels coming way back in the, in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis. I mean, Jacob's sitting there, and there's angels ascending and descending. Well, what, thank you, Holy Spirit. Uh, 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 uh. What just happened when Jacob, I'm all over the place, but y'all y'all handle it. If, if, if you question what I say, you just Google it or just go to Bible Gate, some app. I guarantee you'll find exactly what I'm telling you. So Jacob is sitting there and he's, he's, he's got angels ascending and descending. Pastor, how's that restoration? Because they're, they're on a stairway, on a, on a ladder to heaven. Which means that Jacob is sitting there at a portal. Which means that as heaven had been closed, now he's walking and living under an open heaven. He's got the blessing of the Lord on his life. So when you live under the blessing, you live under an open heaven, you have now been restored back to that place where Adam was before the fall. How do you know? Because the first thing God said to Adam was, the Bible says God blessed him. God blessed him. Jacob received the blessing. So Jacob is sitting there under an open heaven. And the open heaven has been restored. 
that's what Enoch prophesied. Well, what about the end time? Well, the prophecies keep on manifesting, ladies and gentlemen. They're timeless. Okay, I went too deep for, on a Sunday morning. I'll say that for a Wednesday night. That's a Wednesday night kind of thing. There. Okay. So restoration is of the perfect state before the fall. Okay. Let's get as far as we can. Now, I told you about the Bible calls, Adam, calls Jesus Christ the last Adam, right? So we know, obviously, he came to restore our lives back to the position and the conditions that Adam enjoyed before sin came along. Okay, so every healing and every miracle, every financial turnaround, every time that your life turns around, every salvation is a demonstration of restoration. Every salvation, every turnaround, every miracle, every healing is a demonstration of restoration. Y'all got it? Now I want to give you that word restoration one more time, this time from the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. There's not any Greek deep meaning, this is just... Common every day, you can look it up in your dictionary that you have at home. This is where restoration means this, an act of restoring or the condition of being restored, such as bringing back to a former position or condition. This is what God's trying to do to us now, is to bring us back to a former position or condition. Now, I hear some of you in your mind saying, well, Pastor, I, I, was, I was never doing well. No, no, no. He's not talking about bringing you back to your former position and your former condition. He's talking about bringing you back to man's former condition and man's former position before the fall. Because most of us, if we tell the truth, we were born pole, P-O, pole, and just now got the other O on there. Now we poo. Now not me. I'm, the Lord's blessed me. But I'm talking about as the body of Christ, he don't want us po, poo, or poor. He don't want us sick, addicted, afflicted. Come on now. Recurring illnesses. Terminally ill. He don't want you and me on medicine the rest of our lives. Help me out, Sister Carol. Sister Carol, 72, 74, and on nothing. Come on now. Well, that's, no. Listen, you better grab a hold of that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He doesn't want you struggling. He doesn't want you burdened. He doesn't want you sorrowful. He doesn't want you depressed. He doesn't want you addicted. He wants to take you back, not to your former condition, back to man's former condition and former position. Y'all got it? Thank you, Lord. It means reinstatement. Reinstatement. God's going to reinstate you as a king and a priest. <laughs> Restitution. Now, 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 listen, I know some of you might be uh, under, you might understand restitution because you've been on a paying end of restitution. If you've ever committed a crime, the state will order you to pay 
restitution. If you've taken something from someone or something, you know, you understand. But this, we're on, we're going to be on the other end of restitution where things that were owed to us, things, oh my. The thief has been found and he must restore sevenfold. He has to give up even his whole substance, his whole household. And so we are due restitution. Now, I understand that there are folk we're fighting. People, not when I say we, I don't mean we and me. I'm talking about there are people fighting for reparations. But God, see, reparations is all right. But reparations is only, is only you know, how, how, first of all, how are they going to do it? Make, make it make sense. How, how do you prove who? You, you, you can't. It's, it, ladies and gentlemen, it's just, it's, just, it's just a carrot dangling in your face. That anytime some liberal politician want to keep talking about, I'm going, we're, going, we're going to work to help get you reparations. It's a, it's a carrot that they're dangling in your face to get your vote. Because they know they can't do it. Y'all got mad. Y'all must be all Democrats. They, they know they can't do it. They can't do it. They, they can't do it. It's, it's a carrot, ladies and gentlemen. If they could have done it, it would have been done. They can't do it. Surely, surely, 2008, it would have happened, right? It, 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 you can't. When you had a, a, a it, it could have happened in the last two years, when you had a Democratic president, Democratic Congress. If they could have done it, they would have, they can't even wipe out your student loans. They, they can't. That's the reason they haven't done it. Because they can't. All y'all follow what I'm saying to you. So I'm not, I'm not going to base my hopes waiting on some man, some group of men and women to come up with something to help me out. No, I am due reinstatement. I am due restitution. I am due restoration from the God of gods, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who's going to snatch it back from the enemy and put it into my hand. According to Job 20 verse 15, everything the devil has swallowed down, God's going to make him vomit it back up because it doesn't belong to the devil. It belongs to you. Can you say Hallelujah. Okay, let me let me let me let me let me let me uh, let me let me, let me, let me do with Mark. Let me do with Mark so I don't get critiqued too hard. Mark three. Mark three. I mean, the, the devil's good at just dangling carrots. That's what he does to people. God's not a carrot dangler. He's a promise keeper. If he said it, he'll do it. If he spoke it, he's going to make it good. Not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Okay? All right, Mark 3. Let me go through this story real quick. Now, I've got six minutes on the clock. Y'all got an like, extra 10 minutes I can have? Okay. So let's look at this. Mark 6, Mark 3, rather. Mark 3. Let me get back there. Mark 3. Oh, where was it? Right there. Mark 3. So we see this is called, my Bible calls this healing on the Sabbath, okay? So we read the story. I don't need to read the story again, right? Y'all remember the story? 
withered man, man with a withered hand. Yeah. Jesus walks in. People got mad. Man got healed. Restoration. Got it? So we see him, Jesus, he walks in. We see the story of a man, of, a story of a man who uh, is restored from a withered hand. Withered or shriveled or dried up is the picture we have here. Which means that this man is disabled and or disadvantaged. Now I want you to see what the devil, what his intent, what his goal is in your life is to disable you and put you at a disadvantage. The thief comes only to steal and to kill, come on, and to destroy. So he wants to disable you in some area of your life. If, you, if you're lacking money, you're disabled. You don't have to be in a wheelchair or have crutches. If you don't have enough money to pay your bills, you are disabled. Hallelujah. When you lack any ability, you are disabled. When you are having malfunctions in your marriage, you are disabled. Because you can't really sleep night, at night. Chopping the cover. Pulling stuff. Disabled to sleep in your own bed you paid for, you can't even sleep in it. Okay? So disabled and disadvantaged. Say disadvantaged. Say it again, disadvantaged. So the devil knows that, remember I told you the reason he's after you is because he knows who you are? And he knows what you have. So what he tries to do is, because he knows, thank you, Lord, that you have an advantage over him. As a matter of fact, uh, I think it's in the book of John 16. Jesus talks about this to his disciples, he, about, about the Holy Ghost coming. He says, it is to your advantage that I go away. Because if I do not go away, the Holy Ghost will not come. So the moment you receive the Holy Ghost, you are now living at an advantage. I'm going to come over here. I didn't find anything over there. You are now living at an advantage. How many of y'all have the Holy Ghost on the inside? You are living at an advantage over everybody, including the devil. So what he works to do is to get you to a place where you drop down for your, from your advantage vantage point to your disadvantage vantage point. Where you see yourselves as not having enough, that, that you're not able well, instead of saying we are well able to take the land, you say we are not able to take the land. Because you see yourself now, because you've lost certain things, you've lost time, you've lost uh, things that you've earned, you've lost, you've lost things that you achieved, you've lost uh, uh, all your, whatever it is that you've lost, and now, now you feel like a grasshopper as opposed to a giant. So when the devil attacks you, he doesn't just go for your physical, he's going for your soul. When he takes... When he does things in your finances, he's not, not just going for your checkbook, he's going for your soul. When he comes in, in your marriage or against your children, he's not just after them, he's after your soul to get your mind, your will, and your emotions discombobulated. Because if your soul is out of whack, you can't think straight. You'll start making bad decisions just because you can't think straight. Has it happened to anybody in here? 
So, 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 so the devil's trying to get you not just disabled, but disadvantaged. So we see a man with a withered hand. I want you to see him as disabled and I want you to see him as disadvantaged. Are you with me? Now, I want you to see in verse three, verse one, rather, and he entered the synagogue again and a man was there who had a withered hand. Now, see him again as disabled and disadvantaged. Now, imagine him working, trying to work. Would you agree or would you suspect that to have a withered hand, it makes it hard to work? So if it's hard to work, how does he support himself? And you got to know that this is not America 2023. There is no disability check. There is no SSI. There is no, there is no goodwill. There is no place you can go and they have a check. You can't go to Sun, Sun uh, what is the place you are? Sun Coast. So you can't go to uh, all these places that, that's going to, Daystar, and they're going to help you every month. Ain't no, ain't no, there's no 211 to call. He's got a withered hand, which, which, which makes him um, less able to function. So he's left then to beg for hand, handouts. But what about fighting? He has the, he lacks the ability to adequately defend himself. So if he does somehow get some money in his hand, somebody comes along and takes what he has. If somebody does grant him something, how does he defend it? Because he has a withered hand. It's, it's not, it's not uh, one hand that's missing. If he were maimed, it might be better even for him because with that maimed hand, he, he, you somehow learn to compensate. But with a withered hand, the withered hand is still there. It's not gone. It's a, it's a, it's a dead piece of flesh that's sitting attached to you. And, and so he can't, he can't compensate for that because it's there. That the, the issue actually gets in the way. I need you to see this here. The issue that he's dealing with actually gets in the way of even what he wants to do with the other hand, what he wants to do with the rest of his life. But the issue is that it would be easier if we just cut it off and now at least it's out of the way. But if, if it's with it, it's still there and I, it's still throbbing. I still feel it. I still, it hurts when I hit it. It's withered, but it's there. It would be so much easier if it was just gone, but it's not. It's still, still there. So it's hard to work. It's hard to fight. What about his social life? Would you suspect that a man with a withered hand is less attractive to, to women? I know all of y'all. Well, you just, you know, no. Is it? Oh no. I'm, I, I'll take care of, no, no. I'm, I said less attractive. Because this man has this glaring issue. It's not, it's not a character defect. 
sometimes a character defect, you don't learn that until after the, after the, after the third date. It takes a few dates to... Y'all ain't saying nothing over here. Come over here. It's after a few dates. Maybe after a few years, you learn to discover people's character defects. But when a man has a physical defect, you see it right there. Even friends, people, people treat you differently when they, they see your disability. They see you, and let's just be honest, and they treat you as less than a human being because they see this physical infirmity. So this man is dealing with so much. I mean, the Bible doesn't give us his name. Doesn't tell us where he's from. But just the fact that he's got a withered hand, you learn so much about his life. As a matter of fact, if you know anything about Jewish law, a man like him would not be allowed in the temple. He couldn't serve in the temple because he had a glaring physical defect. So he's ostracized in the religious world. So everywhere where he try to find some sort of joy, some sort of pleasure, some sort of peace, he's turned away. He's disabled. And he's disadvantaged. I, I imagine this man being picked on by little kids. Children can be so cruel. Immature people can be so cruel. If little children would pick on Elisha Eli, uh, who had a bald head, surely man with a withered hand So Satan, oh my, he wants to drain you, listen to this, and ruin your ability to function. I'll say it again. He wants to drain you. With it means dried up. You look it up in the Greek, you'll see it means dried up. He wants to drain you and ruin your ability to function. He wants to make you the butt of everybody's jokes. And he wants to destroy your soul and take your life. Now, if you were to, were to check this out, this, you see this same story in the book of Matthew and also in the book of Luke. In Luke's account, Luke 6, 6, it said that this man, his right hand was withered. Now that's special. That gives a little different meaning because when it says his, his hand is withered, well, wonderful. But when it says his right hand is withered, your right hand is your hand of fellowship. It's your right hand of connection. Most people walk up to somebody, they don't reach out their left hand to shake. You naturally, even if you're a left-handed person, you naturally reach out your right hand to shake. Your right hand is your right hand of fellowship. In the church, they gave in the book of Acts, of Acts the, uh, the right hand of fellowship. In church today, we give people what? The right hand of fellowship. Welcome. Glad to have you. Glad to welcome. It's, it's, it's a fellowship hand. It's also the hand of authority. Sit here at my right hand until I make your enemies. Your footstool. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. The person that sat on your right was the person who shared authority with you. So this man's right hand is withered. So not only has he lost fellowship, he's lost authority. Y'all better grab a hold of this. 
Not only has he lost fellowship and lost authority, but the right hand is also the hand used to make covenant connection. That when two men would enter into covenant with each other, they would take some sort of knife or some sort of blade and they would cut their, on their right wrist. And then they would exchange the blood of their right wrist and they entered into the covenant. That's how David and Jonathan entered into covenant. Can y'all hear me today? So the right hand also symbolized covenant connection. So his right hand is withered. He has no fellowship with anybody. He's walking in no authority. And he's lost access to all the covenant. Y'all better grab a hold of this here today. Glory to God. It's the right hand of power. It's the right hand of power. The right hand is, a, is the hand of, of raising. In, in Acts 3, 7, remember we were reading Acts 3? The story of the man who was lame? When you read when Peter ministered to that man in Acts 3, 7, it said Peter took him by his right hand and lifted him up. The right hand. Oh, my. Jesus said that when in the, in the judgment that he's going to sit the sheep. Where? On the right. Come on, you know your Bible. And the goats on the left. God always favors the right side. Thank you, Holy Ghost. When, 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 thank you. When. Jacob was going to bless when he went to bless his 12 sons before his death and then he gets to uh, Joseph and he's going to bless Joseph's sons Ephraim and Manasseh. By divine instruction he crossed his hands. Jacob said, wait a minute, uh, his son Joseph said, wait a minute, you got that wrong. You're putting your right hand on the wrong son because your right hand is supposed to go on the oldest son to put the blessing on him. And he said, no son. He knew this was prophetic. He crossed his right hands intentionally to make sure his right hand went on the, on the right person. See that? Oh, Jesus. There's something about the right hand. So the Holy Ghost Make sure we know this isn't just one of the hands. It's specifically the right hand. Because to lose ability and functionality with the right hand means you've lost everything. Ah, oh, Jesus. Okay, okay, let me, let me finish. 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 Are you back in uh, Mark 3? Because I want to show you something. Here's some good news to somebody who's been disabled and disadvantaged in life. Somebody whom the devil has cut off your functionality. Whom the devil has stolen your fellowship and your covenant connection. He's stolen that authority. He's stolen that dominion. He's stolen that power. He's stolen that place that you were in. Because the Bible says in Mark 3, 1, and a man was there. I know you're waiting on me to go deep, but you just missed it. He was there. See, what God wants to make sure you know today is that he sees you where you are. He knows where you have been. 
He knows what you have lost, and that's why he put it in your mind to get here. Because as long as you're in the right place at the right time, what you need is there for your life. So although the man had lost everything, God made sure. You got to know, there are many synagogues around town. And Jesus Christ made a habit of going to all the synagogues. But it just so happened that he happened to be there at the right time. Because if you are there where God wants you to be, he will turn your whole life around. And everything you have lost will be restored in a minute because you got up and got dressed and you got to there. Somebody say, I got to get to there. Tell your neighbor, you got to be where God wants you to be. You don't have time to sit and chill and cry. You got to get to that place where you need to be because God has a blessing waiting on you. You can't get this blessing sitting at home on your sofa. You can't get this blessing sitting at home in your garage. You can't get this blessing sitting on the beach. God needs you to be there because he's divinely arranged a place for you to be and a time for you to be there because God's got something for you. You might as well shout big on that right there. Sit down. I got to finish. I got to finish. I got to finish. He was there. A man was there. I'm I'm, I'm helping all the preachers and ministers in the house. Don't skip over these little words. (laughs) These are important words. He was there. the, The Bible is rich with revelation. And the more you pray in tongues the more revelation you get. So this man wasn't just anywhere, he was there. Remember what I read to you in Acts 3. Times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Times of restoration. So my, my, my instruction to you this year is don't miss your Kairos moments. Pastor, what is Kairos? Kairos is a divine appointment from God. It's a set time where where God moves. What does that mean? That means you with your faith, your faith can work anytime. But there are times that God sets up where he goes past your faith. I'm going to stay on this side. I like it. There are times when God goes past your faith. Sometimes you'll be working your faith for days and for weeks and months. And God has been three years. I've been working my faith on the same issue. I've not seen any movement, not seen any progress, not seen any turnaround. And God says, okay, I know you're working your faith, baby, and I appreciate it. I got you because I've set up one Sunday morning or I've set up one Wednesday night. I've set up one Tuesday morning. I got a moment that I'm going to connect you to your divine destiny. And if you will obey me, if you will follow my voice, if you will heed my word, I'm going to have you in the right place at the right time because I've got something just for you. Kairos moments. When God supersedes your faith, he supersedes your works of faith. You've been fasting, you've been praying, and you've been sowing, and you've been giving, and you've been praising hard, praising hard, praising hard. God, I'm praising hard. He said, I've seen it. I've seen it all, and I'm going to bring you to a moment that I've been setting up for you. 
you got to see it. Jesus could have been in any synagogue on any day. This man could have been in any synagogue on any day. But God arranged it. That he's there. Y'all got this? All right, let me finish up. He's there. Verse 2. So they watched him closely whether he would, also, whether he would heal on the Sabbath. So they might accuse him. Everybody say Sabbath. Sabbath. Listen to this very, very carefully. Listen to this. Listen to this. Religion. Everybody say religion. Religion, religion is more concerned about regulations than restoration. Yes. Recorded in your memory bank. Religion is more concerned about regulations than restoration. Religion would... would, would, would Religion, if your skirt ain't long enough, religion will put you out when the day is your day to get delivered. Religion brought a woman who was caught in adultery to Jesus' feet to try to get him to endorse her stoning. Because religion is not concerned about restoration. Religion is concerned about regulation. Somebody better get a hold of this. This one. This one. And the people were looking because it was the Sabbath, and they're watching. Are you gonna heal him on the Sabbath? Because to heal was considered work. Now, the interesting thing about this is these folk didn't do it on, on Monday or Thursday or Tuesday or Friday or Sunday because they weren't concerned about restoration. Now, I don't have time to go to do this because I'm already very late past the hour. But if you were to read chapter 2, Mark 2, at the end, you'll see what Jesus Christ had already dealt with the Sabbath. When he walks through the grain fields with his disciples and they start plucking heads off the grains and start eating them. And the Pharisees, the religious folk who were with him said, hey, this is unlawful for them to walk through and eat these grains. Doing these things on the Sabbath. And Jesus said, do you remember the story when David and his men, when they were hungry, they were parched, they were famished, and in order to restore them, they went into the temple and ate the showbread. That was also unlawful. But God was not concerned about law. He was concerned about their restoration. Oh, and he said, he told him in, in chapter 2, he said, man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. And he said, furthermore, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. So don't you sit and try to tell me what I can do on the Sabbath because I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. And if I want to heal somebody on the Sabbath, if I want to save somebody on the Sabbath, if I want to deliver somebody on the Sabbath, I'm going to go well, heal them, save them, deliver them on the Sabbath. Bump your regulations. I'm here for restoration. 
religion, listen to this, no religion, no religion has any interest in nor the power to restore. No religion has interest in or know the power to restore. You can try Islam. You can try Hindu. You can try Buddhism. You can try Hebrew Israelite. You can try everything you can name. You can try, you can try regular church. Because regular church is just religion. But no religion has interest in nor the power to restore. Because in regular church, you know what they teach you? When you are in trouble, when you have lost everything, when you're going through the worst time of your life, they say, baby, just hold on to God's unchanging hand. Just hold on to God's unchanging hand. All of my appointed time, I'm going to wait till my change comes. One day, by and by, over yonder, you're going you're gonna to get a new body. Don't worry about this body over here. You're gonna, don't worry about them diabetes and them sores all over your body. No, just you're going to get a new body over yonder, baby. Just so hold on. Don't worry about the fact you can't pay your rent. It's a mansion waiting on you in the sky. We're going to walk on streets of gold over yonder. That's religion. That's religion. To make you try to just cope with mess, deal with loss and accept the loss of everything you have as if it's some kind of, you know, you suffering for Jesus. No, he, no, we don't suffer like that. Our suffering is persecution. Our suffering is being ostracized. Our suffering is people talking about us. Not our suffering is I got, well, I'm going to just go through because, you know, the Lord gets some glory in me going through. No, he gets glory out of you being victorious. Okay, all right. Let, let, me, let me wind down here. Come, I got to give you this last instructions. You ready? You ready? Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Okay, verse 3. I'll move on. Verse 3. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, what? So to receive restoration, the man had to trust Jesus. So this year, you have to trust Jesus. When he says step forward, when he says step, you step. When he says move, you move. John 2, 5. It says whatever he says to you, do it. They didn't know what was going to happen in that water to turn into wine. They didn't know. They didn't know he was going to turn water to wine. They just said, he said, fill the water pots, and they filled the water pots. So when you hear the Lord tell you to do something, he's trying to restore you. Just do it. It won't make sense. Now you got to watch now. You got to remember now what's happening. Notice the scene. What's the scene, Chris? The people are angry. They're looking. They're inquiring. And let's, 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 call, let's call this guy Junior. They know Junior. Now, Jesus is called Junior forward. Now, they're first looking at Jesus to see what he's going to do. Now, they're looking at Junior. Remember, they're hot. They're ready to pounce. 
So now Junior got to have enough boldness. Say boldness. boldness. You're going to need boldness this year. Because when he calls you forward, you're going to have to come forward. Even when folk looking at you like, what you going to do? See, I, I would love it if Jesus did, wouldn't we all love it if he did, you know, all private miracles? Remember that one man in, in Mark, uh, I think it's Mark 8, somewhere around there, where this, this guy, uh, he's blind, and they brought him to Jesus Christ and said, hey, can you, can you heal him, give him his sight? And the Bible says Jesus took him aside. He, he took him, took him aside. He walked out of town and said, okay, he, he spit on him. And, uh, and uh, he said, okay, what do you see? And he said, uh, I see men walking like, like trees. Okay, so he said, okay, let's, 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 let's correct your vision. A little bit. Let's let's get it right. And the Bible says when he when he touched him again, it says his eyes. He was restored and he saw clearly. That's what the Bible says. He was restored and he saw clearly. He was restored. His sight was restored, which means either at one time he had his sight, or the sight we know belonged to him anyway. It was stolen in the womb. Y'all better catch this. Either it was stolen during his lifetime outside the womb or it was stolen in the womb. Because God doesn't make anything imperfect. Oh, I wish I had a bigger amen. He doesn't make anything imperfect. If something comes out imperfect, something happened either in the womb Something was stolen. Boy, that's big right there. I'll preach on that some other time. So everybody say I need boldness. Thank you, Lord. Now, when you see that word where it says step forward, if you got a little a good Bible, it'll say something like arise into the mist. Which means come and stand out here in front of everybody. If you're going to be restored, God's going to put you right out front. Because he's going to do this in front of everybody. You know why? Because he wants the public and the religious folk to see it. Because the public doesn't trust God at all. And the religious folk don't think God still does anything. <laughs> he wants to turn man's wisdom on his head. Verse 5. Here it is. Verse 5, here it is. Here's the key to your res restoration. And when he looked around at them with anger, now Jesus is upset. <laughs> Being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. Now watch this. This is this critical. This, this is going to be the key right here. Tell your neighbor, this is the key right here. To receive restoration, the man had to override his mind. Oh, I don't know if you got it. To receive restoration, the man had to override his mind. I don't say Jesus override, overrode his mind. I said the man had to override his mind or his own mind. Because the instruction was, okay, step forward. I can do that. My legs work. Y'all missing that. Y'all missing that. The first instruction was step forward. Okay, I can do that. My legs work. 
My feet work. I can do that. Now the next instruction is the biggie. Stretch forth your hand. Now he got to figure out how do I do something that I can't do. See, God, oh my, that's the way God works with you. Tell your neighbor, that's the way God works with you. He'll first work with what you can do. When Elijah, Elisha rather, went down to the brook Cherith during a famine, because God said, I'm going to have you have a woman take care of you there. His first order of business was not for her to bring him food. His first request was to bring him some water. Because he knew she could do that. God always works with you on what you can do. After she did what she could do, then he said, now, bring me something to eat. He knew she didn't have anything to eat. It's a famine. He knew that. So when Jesus Christ says to this man, step forward, okay, I can do that. <laughs> we good. It would have been great if the miracle happened just as I stepped and the miracle happened. But he got there and the miracle, he still got the withered hand. All right, now, here comes the test. Stretch forth your hand. Now, this man's looking at his hand that's been crippled. We don't know how long. With his hand. He says, stretch forth your hand. Now, he is it's not by might and it's not by power. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. So is he can't his brain is not what makes this happen. His because his brain has been trying to make his hand stretch all this time. His brain. He's been wanting to stretch his hand. Every day he's got up, he wanted but his brain. There was some, some blockage between his brain and his hand. So now faith is required. Y'all, y'all, I'm ready to send y'all home now, bro. Now faith is required. There was no faith to step forward. Because you can do that. But now, to get restoration, to get manifestation, I'm going to tap into your faith. Because anything I do is going to require faith. So I got to tap into your faith. So he says, now stretch your hand. And now this man has to somehow get past his own mind that's been telling him for years and years and years and years, you can't stretch forth this hand. And he has to now obey Jesus Christ. Now, what does faith do? Faith accesses and activates grace. Faith activates and accesses grace to give you an ability to do what you could not do. Romans 5.2 says that by faith we have access into this grace by which we stand. So you to access God's grace, he requires your faith. 
So she, he, that man who's now sitting there with that withered hand, faith kicks in. Faith kicks in. And all of a sudden, he just says, bam! Because go back, go back to, to that uh, Mark 3, 5. Mark 3, 5. Because you'll see how quickly this happened. Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out. And he stretched it out. He stretched it out. He stretched it out. He stretched it out. What he could not do for months and years of his life, he stretched it out because he was in the presence of the Lord. It was a time of refreshing and a time of restoration. And he was there in the right place and he stepped forward. He had boldness. He trusted in God and he put his faith into action. I just gave you what you need for this whole year. And the Bible says, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. As good as new. All it takes is for you and me is to do what he says. This year, stand up, let me declare this over you. This year, by faith, you will step into the grace of God for restoration of all things. I want to say it again. This year, by faith, you will step into the grace of God for restoration of all things. Everything that was withered and dried up in your life will be restored. This year, your life will be a demonstration of restoration in the earth. Now y'all clap like I didn't just preach an hour and a half on the mysteries of the kingdom of God. I just pronounced over you that God, see, I don't know if you caught what I said. You're going to be a demonstration of restoration. God is the one doing the demonstrating. Not you. You are the demonstration. What God does with your life this year, if you will do what I've taught today, if you will do what you've seen and read and heard today, your life will be a demonstration of restoration in the earth. And your restoration will bring hope to other people who have withered hands, withered lives, withered marriages, withered families, withered dreams, withered businesses, withered careers, withered jobs. Withered dreams. But when they see you restored. They're going to know. I'm going to give you a heads up. All the religious folk are going to be upset. <laughs> because the blessing comes with persecution. Persecution. 
But if you can take the persecution, you can take the blessing. Everybody lift those hands. Just begin to lift your hands and begin to lift your voice to the Lord right now. I want you to go ahead and give the Lord praise right now for what you've, what you've heard. Some people have apparent issues, apparent. They're, they're right there. It's in your face. You, you can see it. But some people have issues that people can't see. Whatever's withered away, God says, I'm, I'm restoring it. Ha. Come on, somebody. That dream, that vision from God. What God showed you. And you went for it. It seemed like it just shriveled up. God's not done. It's still there. It's a good thing you didn't cut it off. Good thing you didn't cut it off. Good thing because he, he can restore it. He can restore it. Shakayera basso da kasuka. Come on, take what you heard and work it right now. Words, work it right now. Work, work it right now. Work what you heard. Because I got news for you. You're there. You're there. You're there at the right place at the right time. And I will leave here with a withered anything. I will leave here with anything withered in my life. Not one thing withered, not one thing dried up, not one thing shriveled up in my life. I speak life of restoration to every withered marriage. It's not been cut off. It's, it's not too late. You might have thought about divorcing, but it's not too late. I speak life to it. Restoration to it now. I speak life of restoration to that business right now. 
You didn't file bankruptcy. You didn't close it down. It's, you still got, a, got an account somewhere. You still got business cards back there in the drawer somewhere. I speak life to it. 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 Step forward. Stretch out your hand. Step forward. Stretch out. Your next move is going to be big. Your next move is going to be big. It's going to require your faith. Your next move is going to be big. Hallelujah. Your next move will be big because it's going to be a faith move. It's not going to make any sense to you. Step forward and stretch out. 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 Be bold. Be courageous. In front of the whole world, God's going to put you on display. Hallelujah. It's your hour. Your time is your Kairos moment from God. The devil is a liar. You're going to have your fellowship back in full effect. Your authority back in full effect. Your covenant connection back in full effect. Your power back in full effect. Your lifting up back in full effect. He's restoring everything to you. Hallelujah. It's shriveled up, but it's still there. 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 Hallelujah. Every dried up organ, every dried up muscle, all dried up tissue, blood cells, blood vessels, skin, every issue, I speak to it now. Life and restoration. Right now, in the name of Jesus, the devil is a liar. There's a life in you. Things shrivel and wither because the life source is cut off. Things wither and shrivel because the life source is cut off. I speak that life connection back in your life right now. I speak a reconnection of that life source to you right now. Life to it. Live. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Lord, we believe we receive. 
that we are in the times of restoration, times of refreshing from your very presence. And God, what has been withered away, thank you that, Lord, when you refresh us, it all begins to come back to life. Fullness, fruitfulness. God, I speak this blessing over every one of these, my dear brothers and sisters, my sons and daughters, that God, they experience the full manifestation of life and restoration. Let every one of our lives this year be a demonstration of restoration. Do something so big that the church folk and the world both alike are left in awe. <laughs> all of our mocking family members, all of our scorning friends, make us a demonstration of restoration. God, we accept that we take back everything the devil has stolen from us. Life, our peace, everything has been taken. And we walk in your power, walk in the victory that you've given to us. We thank you today for what you've done and what you're doing and what you shall do in our lives in the days ahead. We obey your voice. We stand forth. We come forth. We step forward and we stretch out into what you have for us. We receive it with thanksgiving. In Jesus' mighty name, can you say amen? Amen. amen. Now, why don't you clap those hands and give Father God a praise?